you've been looking for a podcast to help you transform your physical and mental one that'll shoot you straight between the eyes with truth and no bs helping you have the right mindset to accomplish things the iron will and fortitude to follow through with what you say you're going to do no excuses Mark owns martial arts schools, and after 30 years, he has some real insight for real talk, real life, real conversations, motivational, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, live from the Great 1-8. This is Real Talk with Mark Cox. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Well, it's afternoon where you're at. I hear we, we, the the you're out in Canada, from what I understand, correct? That's right, Toronto. And so I guess I guess there's a three hour difference like, from us here, right? Pacific time to you got yeah. a three hour time, so it's noon time with you. Yeah. So good afternoon. Good morning good afternoon. to all good my uh, listeners here. Is <laughs> Sorry, it great? Mark, go ahead. <laughs> yes, looking for. Well, I was listening. I'm looking forward to having a good conversation with you today. Always look forward. I've got a lot of people from Canada that I've I've uh, interviewed. Good people out there, awesome entrepreneurs out there. Always had, you know, very, very uh, exciting guests every time I come in. So it's good, looking forward to uh, spending some time with you today and talking about your expertise. So with no further ado, Glenn, I'm going to let you go ahead and take the mic real quick. Introduce yourself to the audience and let's get rocking and rolling. Thanks for having me, Mark. Great to be here. And uh, it's a nice day. It's getting nicer, actually. It's a little little uh, rainy earlier, but it's clearing up now. And uh, you're, are you in California or? I'm in California. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm in a so little, su- yeah, a little, yeah, little suburbs of. Uh, my, my understanding is you guys don't usually bring up the weather, but where I live, the first <laughs> the weather's the first thing you start talking about every day. It's like, is it warm? Is it cold? Is it raining? Is it snowing? Right. And uh, you know, I think yours is kind of like sunny every day, right? And uh, we, yes, we do not have that, but uh, yeah, no, happy to be here and. Um, do you want me to give you some background or? Uh, yes, yes. Go ahead. Get, yes, go ahead and introduce yourself to the, to the, to our, our audience, and then uh, give us a, a little bit of your background, and we'll get, we'll, we'll dive right in. Right on, right on. So, sort of a life lifelong salesperson and uh, sales and sales related. Um, so, I've started a couple of companies. Uh, you know, I I started in the federal government. Um, they told me I was working too fast and too hard, and they uh, they told me to go get a job somewhere else. So, I went and got a job in sales. And uh, did that for a few years. I started a business, which I sold in um, the early 2000s. And uh, I then started another business in sales, a uh, sales company, um, and sold that in February of 2022, which is the same month that I uh, launched my book as well. And uh, so that was a busy month for sure. Um, and now I'm actually working for the company that bought my company. So I agreed to stay on with them and help them with the integration. And so now I've gone from entrepreneur to uh, employee and, uh, you know, I now have a boss and you know, <laughs> got to check in and tell them where I'm, what? if I'm not going to be there and that kind of a thing. And, um, but um, yeah, so uh, yeah, so I've just sold a business, you know, uh, taken over um, half of their company in North America. So I'm not, I, I was handling all aspects of my business, finance, operations, everything as well as sales, marketing, and what have you. And, and now I've changed into a role where I'm really focused on the sales for their company, the marketing, 
and the customer service experience as well as the back-end IT supporting all that. So uh, it's kind of a bit of a shift for me. It's pretty new. And so I'm still getting my feet wet adjusting. I was really a Canadian guy running a Canadian company that did a little bit in the U.S. And now I'm North American. I'm in the U.S. every week. And all the U.S. Uh, people on that side of the team report to me and really uh, jumping in the deep end. And um, so far, it's been fun and, uh, you know, it's been exciting. But um, like a lot of industries right now, the market's been challenging in the last little while. So we're in telecom and telecom's been uh, down for 2023. So it's been down a little bit. So tell me what the difference is. Tell me how that shift is going from uh, building a company, selling yeah. the company, working for the company. Is it weird? It's is it weird going from the boss to having one? Trey weird, as they say in, in French speaking Canada. And uh, yeah, it's very weird. And um, it's okay, you know, and um, really you have to, the biggest thing to be, to be frank about it and honest, you know, is the, is the ego part of it, right? And um, because, you know, when you own the business, you're kind of the boss and everybody recognizes you as the boss and, and that's fine and what have you. And then, you know, when you sell the business, I mean, and you're in the beginning, they're looking at you as the guy that sold their company to their new company. And it's kind of unsure where you fit in, but eventually you find yourself in a role and, you know, you have to, you have to basically say, Hey, can I be happy with the role that I'm serving in this much bigger company now? And it's not about being the boss of everything anymore. I mean, they don't need to bring every decision to you. Uh, just the things where you have an impact, right? Your circle of influence kind of. Um, and so kind of dealing with my own ego was the biggest challenge. But since I've become comfortable with how the how the work's been divided up and where I fit in, I've actually embraced it and uh, I'm feeling good about it. But it was rough there for a few weeks while I was uh, while I was giving up the reins on all these departments that I used to be responsible for. And that's the biggest challenge. And uh, but other than that, it's been it's been good. Yeah, that's good. So did you have the, do you have this in mind when you do this? Do you kind of build, did you have the idea to build a business and then sell it? Or is that something that is in your wheelhouse? And you say, hey, I'm going to build this. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to start another one and sell it. Or did it just kind of come about? Yeah, it just, it was more, yeah, it was not sort of a plan, sort of do this, sell, do this, sell, what have you. They both were around um, uh, 15 years old, the companies when I sold them. Um, I was too young to retire when I sold the other business and, um, that company had changed directions and ultimately, um, I had to go and do something different. So it was easier for me to start another company than it was to go and get a job. I wasn't sure where I would fit in. And, um, right. and of course the company was, it was a true startup. I mean, that first year we only did a few, I think around 800 K or something in business, but we grew to $80 million. And, uh, so the business grew in those 15 years significantly. And, um, but along the way, people came along kicking the tires, wanting to buy the business. So it was always in the back of your mind because, uh, you know, once you get a few years old and business brokers can find you and however they find companies, um, you know, they start calling and say, Hey, you know, we've got interested buyers, just like real estate agents do, right? They knock on your mm -hmm. door and says, Oh, I got interested buyers in the neighborhood. Have you ever thought of selling your house? Same thing with your business, right? But you know, when you're when you're in it for a few years and then you see where you're at in your earning cycle and the multiples that you're going to get for the business, it's like, well, no, it's too soon. I mean, I'm not really the, I don't want to give up four or five years work for that amount. Right. And you think I got to wait till it's bigger. 
And then eventually you get to the point where, you know, it becomes, hey, do I, is it really going to grow more or is it going to level off? Could it go down? And, you know, what's your age? And, and also, um, you know, we were getting to a size where in order to get much bigger, we would have needed capital that myself and my business partner couldn't have accessed readily. Um, we wouldn't, you know, we just didn't have the, the, you know, the personal financial depth to get the kinds of lines of credit and things that we would have needed. And so we would have had to take on partners no matter what. So, mm. so it became Got the right it. time to sell. So now let's, let's get into the, let's get into the book a little bit. So sure. where, we, when did you decide to write a, write a book, you know, or have, be an author? Well, and what, what drove you to do that? Yeah. So yeah, to be honest about my, my procrastinating ways, I'm like, well, why do something today that I can procrastinate until tomorrow? So I started writing the rules down in the 80s, believe it or not. Those are the 1980s, you know, a long time ago yeah, uh, when I, I was on the days. road selling and uh, I was noticing what all these guys were doing. I started writing down these rules and I made this I made this had this handbook, right, that I was keeping for myself. And I would name some of the rules after people and uh, scenes that situations that I would see and. You know, I started sharing the stories back then and some people would, they'd laugh at the, some of the stories and what have you. They're like, oh, you know, can you come to my work and share the stories? And so I did that for a little while back then. And people are like, oh, you should write a book. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I should write a book. And, and of course, I never did. And then, but over the years, the, um, the chapters sort of like in this little notebook grew and grew and grew. And I always kept the book. And, um, and in the, when the pandemic hit, I thought that was March of 2020, right? Um, and Canada was on full lockdown. Couldn't go anywhere on the weekends, at night, whatever. I was able to come to work because my work was a, uh, a deemed special service or whatever they were calling it. And uh, I had to come and open the warehouse and ship products every day. But, but at night and on the weekends, I was stuck at home. And I thought, hey, what better time to write that book? And so I, uh, I sat down and sort of buckled down and... Um, it took me about nine months to write it, but that, that was sort of when I finally got up the gumption to do it. Although I'd been telling myself since 1985 that I was going to do it. Right. So, so tell me about what, well, what's the name of your book first? So the audience can hear. So it's called never sit in the lobby. And it's, that's one of the rules that they will come across in the book. Let's talk about your, let's talk about the top three rules that you have in, in, in your book. Okay. So there's talk 57 about tips for building a career in a business and selling. And so some, it depends on the day, uh, which ones are the, um, the best ones, but I have some that are fun that flow together. And, uh, I just actually had a guy in my office a minute ago and he rhymed off four rules in one sentence, right? He's like, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, that's good. Maybe one day you'll have a podcast and he goes, and he goes, yeah, I might even write a book. And uh, so <laughs> one, one of the rules is the name of the book. So I'll tell you, I'll rip the Band-Aid off that one to explain it, uh, what that means. Um, and so what I mean by never sit in the lobby is when I'm, I'm talking to people that eventually need to visit customers to close business, not virtualized businesses that don't do anything in the real world, like that they do everything virtually. I'm selling high ticket items. These are telecom related products or whatever, but at some point we need to visit our customers and show them the products, let them evaluate the products and, and many, many other uh, people that I talk to, uh, ultimately they do need to visit the customers in order to close the business. So when you get to the lobby, 
and you've announced yourself and you're waiting for the guy or gal to come down and see you, don't sit down, right? Like, don't be sitting down, playing on your phone, you know, playing, you know, Candy Crush or some game like that, waiting for the guy to come. Be standing in the lobby, waiting at attention for the guy to walk through the door, right? And that's one of my golden rules. I never sit down in the lobby. And so, uh, and uh, one of the other rules that goes with that rule is when the guy walks in, always have something in your hand and something in your mind, right? Like, always have something to hand to the guy when he walks through the door sometimes as i it, we're in canada we have the the famous tim hortons donuts which is your equivalent of dunkin donuts but uh tim hortons the the famous hockey player and um mm -hmm. it's a and people are crazy about tim hortons here in canada and um and so sometimes in the morning you you bring in donuts and you're handing the guy some donuts for his staff or maybe it's literature a quote maybe it's a promo item maybe it's a mouse pad or a water bottle or a you know a pen or something that you're giving away and always have something in your mind that you want to talk to them about right at that moment right and you know the next rule that follows after something in your hand something in your mind is always ask him for a mini tour and people are like what's a what's a mini tour and mm -hmm. i'm like well a mini tour is a tour that's mini and it's just not a big long tour it's just like can you show me where you're going to be using my product? Can I see where you're going to be setting it up? You know, can I see the environment that it'll be in? But trying to get yourself beyond that front door if it wasn't already scheduled to take you back there, right? Because as you're, when you're getting to that location, maybe it's something in a new lab or a new warehouse or a new production area or whatever, you're going to see all the competitors' products, right? And if you're a good sales guy, you're picking up, hey, I could be coming back later talking to him about this and this and this and this. And, and then you say, wait a minute, I'm bringing in a, you know, some sort of widget and I see there's, uh, they're already running my widgets with someone else and there's nine of them and the guy wants another one. So am I really, am I really there to sell him a widget or am I there to keep the original guy, the original vendor honest, right? You're never going to see that unless you get behind the front door and into the guy's place of business. And that's where you start to see, you know, the coffee mugs, whose name do they have on them, your competitor, that kind of a thing, right? And so, and then one of the other rules goes with that exact same. I know that's three up, but I'll give you a fourth one, right? Is when you're, uh, when you're in your car out front waiting for, you know, the appointed time, you don't want to be sitting in the lobby. So you don't want to stand in the lobby too long either. That's awkward. So I suggest you get there a few minutes early in your car. When you get there, whip out your phone, go to that account. And lifts all the names in your CRM that you know at that account, you know, like Sally, Jack, Bob, Sam, whatever, and do what I call re-remembering their face, right? So you go, hey, Jack, oh yeah, that's the guy, he's bald, you know, you know, Bob, whatever, he's tall, Sally's that redheaded lady, whatever, whatever it is to take to remember their face and bring it all the way from your memory way in the back, all the way to the front of your mind. So that when you're when you're on the mini tour and he's walking you down to um, the facility to see where your products are going to be going or being used or whatever, and those people start walking past you and they probably may or may not remember you, but you could be like, hey, Jack, hey, Sally, hey, George or whatever. And they're like, oh, right, that's Glenn. Da, 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 da. And the guy who's taking you there is like, this guy knows everybody. And these are all ways of of you know, looking and acting like you have social proof within the environment, right? And, um, and I'll, you know, th that's like four of the a very quick barrage of rules that I follow religiously of the 57 that are in the book, right? 
And, uh, so that interesting now. So I, this is what was making me interesting on, on, on your topic, on your expertise in these, these levels. Do you feel that, of course, everything's a, a personal relationship, right? That's that's yes. the first thing that that if you want to, it doesn't really matter. Even in, in our business here, like if I'm if I'm going to if, you know, I tell all my students, I said the selling isn't in the sales office. The selling's on the mat. If yeah. they're going to enjoy class and they like you and they feel that you got uh, something to give themselves or their children, uh, the sales part's already done. It, it, it's, it's manipulating numbers and to make it work for their budget. Yeah. Uh, the, the selling happens on the mat. The, the, personal, the, the personal excellence happens on the mat. Great line. In a martial arts world, old school martial arts back in the day, I guess I would say, is they would, you know, if – the mentality was, you're lucky you're at my school, right? The master's here, and you know what the master says, everybody does, that kind of thing. And the martial arts world had to take a shift and realize that people are clients and, and, and customers, not just you're lucky you're learning from, you know, the guru himself. You know, you found out real quick that, you know, you're not going to be in business very long if you have that. What you're going to have is a business that you do after your regular job. Right. right. Not not what you do full time. Yeah. Do you feel that that do you feel what you're talking about? Now, you, now you go out and you're a salesperson. How do you feel like when you're going out even to get a coffee these days? Do you feel that personal uh, sales tactics at all? Well, yeah, just to lead into the answer, which I will give you, is that uh, I do agree with you. The selling is done on the mat and. When people ask me, like, what is the mantra behind your book or behind your day to day? I mean, and so I always say the same thing. My my philosophy is how to get, act and stay in front of your clients and be a pleasure to do business with always emphasis on the word always. Right. And so I'm trying to show people how to not be a pain in the ass with customers. Right. And, it, you know, like where you're, you know, the arrogance, just like you're talking about, Hey, come to my school. Cause I've got the best dojo in town or whatever. I mean, I'm saying like, don't act like, Hey, you know, you've got the best brand and, and it's some honor that you're showing up to sell the product. Right. That's not a pleasure to do business with. And when you lose, how do you behave? Probably poorly. Right. And so right. I'm all about the rapport. Right. And so for me, rapport is everything. And so do I see good rapport out there in the world? I mean, some places I do. I mean, to be honest, I mean, I don't go in that many stores because, you know, I have all these little personal quirks and things. Like, I don't really, like, buy a lot of coffee and stuff like that. I mean, I do sometimes pick up donuts for the customer, but, but I mean, I'm usually in the drive-thru. And, um, but, I mean, you know, sometimes you'll go in a location to, to pick a, get a snack or something and, you know, the difference between the well-run places where, where they're a pleasure to do business with and where they're not, it's like, it's standout. And I mean, in my, where we have a little cottage up, we call it up north in Toronto, where you go out of the city for the weekend and, you know, a couple of weeks in the summer, you know, there's a place and we go out of our way to get our, um, our sandwiches there and, you know, coffees and things like that, because they're, it's a family run business and the way they run it and the way they treat you, it makes you feel special, right? And but a lot of places, you know, somewhere somewhere along the lines, they've lost some of that. And um, I, you know, I'm sort of agreeing with what you were saying before you were asking me, you know, do I see it? Yeah, I do see it some places, but everywhere. Definitely not. Right? Mm -hmm. 
I feel, I don't know. I, you know, I think that myself, if I can have a genuine concern about what others do and I try and you tell me if this is a good tactic or not. I just know that naturally I kind of gravitate to what, what people like, you know, maybe I see something they're wearing, right. Maybe I see a Rocky shirt or right. I see something to that effect. And I said, you know, and, and, you know, that's, that's a real love of mine. I mean, I like, I love that Rocky right. show. You know, I've, I've watched sure it every time it. I fly, yeah. you know, it's just yeah. one of those things that I love. And I remember being a kid watching it, you know, yeah. back then. Well, I'm, laughing, I'm laughing about the Rocky thing because you're, right. you're 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 leading me right into one of my chapters of my book. Not the Rocky thing, but the the the. But carry on, and I'll I'll, I'll answer the question, or if you have a question, or I, well, I, I think I'm in. Yes, and I I just about, you know? I just think that I see this quite often. Even if I'm sitting next to somebody in a plane, if I can just kind of catch something that they have that. Right. is of interest and i'll ask them you know it's kind of a topic you know my topic is if you i don't have a sleeveless shirt on today i usually i do but you know, i got mm -hmm. tattoos all over my arms right and i got right. some really cool tattoos mm -hmm. and they are a conversation piece everybody asks about them and it just kind of opens up doors right and it just kind of does that so i'm just wondering if that's one of these tactics that you have right so i'm really glad you asked that because you're leading me right into one of my chapters but it's kind of counterintuitive what i'm going to say so um Normally, so for me, building rapport is really important, right? But the mistake a lot of people make, and this is the difference. You're saying like, oh, the guy has a Rocky shirt on or I have the tattoos, right? Well, I mean, the tattoos are like, you know, inked right on your body. You probably decided to put them there, right? So it's a safe bet that you want them there, right? But right. I talk in the book about make guys making false assumptions. And I call it implied familiarity also breeds contempt, meaning don't be too quick to jump to what you think the guy likes because you've seen something in his environment. And the story that I tell is, and I'll show you how I deal with it after as well, but the story that I tell is going into a guy's office and I saw a photo with the, uh, with him and another guy holding fish, right? Some bass or something. And, uh, and I'm like, oh my God, I didn't know you were a fisherman and I love fishing, you know, and I got a boat up north in my cottage, you know, maybe we should go fishing sometime. And the guy looks back and he looks thing he goes oh my god he goes he goes that's my ex-father-in-law he goes i'm actually divorced now you know and he goes you know what i i fucking hate fishing pardon my language but i hate fishing he goes i only went fish i only went on those fishing trips because my wife made me you know and he grabs the photo takes it tosses it in the garbage and he goes i hope i never have to go fishing again and of course what i did was i took him from a neutral state to a highly charged negative state right because I assumed that because I saw him and a fish and a man, that all he did was fish and that I should have impart myself. I should have asked him, what's the story behind the fish, right? And he would have gone, and then, or what's the story behind the, you know, the iron cross or something on your arm, right? Like, tell me the story, like, don't be, be careful not to be presumptuous or over presumptuous in your uh, assuming like, you know things about it because it's like on his shirt or on his arm or on his desk or on his wall, right? Ask questions. Don't imply yourself, um, over implicate yourself upon the guy, right? Interesting. Yes, that really is a good take, to be honest yeah. with you, because I've done I've done the, the same type of mistakes before uh, yeah. on that same thing. Yeah. Um, so I yeah. just. Yeah, that was uh 
Like for you, it'd be I, I noticed it like a girl on your on your on your shoulder or something, yeah, right? And I'm like, that, oh man, yeah, like a pretty looking yeah. girl. He goes, oh, that's my ex-wife. <laughs> you know? Yeah. See, and if people ask me that, and I go, that's not a pretty girl. That's my mother. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, exactly. that's, right. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. That's my mom when she was 18. Yeah. Uh, and you know, and then it 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 will strike up a, a conversation. But yeah, right, I, I right. definitely have, I definitely use those as a. Uh, yeah. You know, it's weird, too. There's sometimes you want to kind of be quiet. Yeah. And then people ask you a lot of questions. You're like, man, can you just shut the frick up for just yeah. one second, man? OK, I'm just right. not in the in that frame yeah. of mind. So yeah. I guess that's a give and take. I guess that's just mm -hmm. over over time and what you you know, what you decide and, and, you know, life itself. I just know as I've gotten older, right, my. I don't know my tactics from a young guy to where I'm at today. Cause I'm 62 years old. I'm not a young dude anymore. Yeah. Right. Like I used yeah. to be, you know, I, 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 yeah. I live in a young man's world, but I'm definitely not a young man in this young yeah. man's world. Yeah. I'm 61. I'm one of those. Yeah. You know, right. You're yeah. 61. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're, we're right in the same, we're right in the yeah. same wheelhouse. I, I just, yeah. I see myself, you, you know, where I was and, and where I'm kind of trying to do. And to be honest with you, one of the, the, things that caught me with you today is you are in the sales world. And I just told, I tell all my instructors, I think I said, you'd be surprised that everything you do is kind of a sales yeah. in sales. Yeah. You're selling yourself to uh, somebody. You're selling yourself to a, a parent. You're selling yourself on the classes. You're selling the students. Are you the good instructor? Are you the one they all want to come and be and be with, you know, do the, does the school revolve around your, you know, your care because of how you teach class. So everything is, I, I don't know, as far as I'm concerned, everything is, I don't want to say a tactic, but it, it, it imparts sales of some sort, right? You are in it sales. Does. Yeah. So if you, you know, and, and most of it is trying to sell yourself. I really don't care what kind of profession you're in. I think that's right. broad across all, you know, you, and I guess that's the other thing I said, you've been in front of instructors that, it's about the instructor. It's not about how he's helping you. Yeah. Hey, you know, you know, look at me, look what I can do. Look at right. my, you know, look, you know, look, look on how I do things and not listen. And let me demonstrate how to do it. Now, let me make, let me give you the power to be able to do what I do. Right. And, I talk about that in the book a lot, actually. And, uh, do, do you? Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah now, I, do you, do, go ahead, go ahead. Let me yeah, hear your thoughts so, on that. So, yeah, so I talk about that in the chapter called WSP, which I call winning sales presence. But really what it is, is <clears throat> it's every, it's basically showing the showing the client, you know, the sort of showing them what it is that becomes naturally attractive to them. Like, don't say, look what I can do and then decide if you want to buy that. That's not what I would do. Right. I what I would do is I would. I would say, you know what, you know, like your, your kids are seven or whatever. Let me get Jack and Jade or whatever. These two boy and girl, they're like 13. They've been in the program with me for four years, whatever. They're ex-belt with this stripes or whatever. Let me get them to do a demonstration for you on, you know, what, you know, where you could be in a few years if you decided to join my program. And then you give them a demonstration, which creates the, without any bragging, without any braggadocious manner to you, right? Like when you see me doing this and my black belt, my this and my that, you know, you can't help but buy my stuff. Like that's that's not attractive, right? But as I always teach people, attraction's not a choice. 
Like when you see something and you, and you're amazed by it, you just are, right? When you're attracted to it, you see a like for some people, you see a nice car, you love it, right? You know, or you see a nice, you know, it could be anything in, in any environment where you're where you're um, you know where you're looking at things that interest you. You know, could be a boat, could be uh, or it could be a series of martial arts moves, right? And the kid sees that and he's like, "Oh, mommy, don't that's what I want. That's how I want to be. Whatever." Then you haven't said anything, right? You haven't done any selling or whatever. The next thing that happens after that is the mom says, well, how do I get my kid involved in your program? Right. You, and you can then say, okay, well, we've got the beginners and the intermediate thing, the two twice a week, the four times a week or whatever. You don't have to prove anything at that point, because when you've done the, when you've done what I call the, the perfect uh, presentation, which I call the punch. And for your, for your business, it's really funny because I call it the punch perfect pitch and close, right? And the punch is where you change their state, right? And that's where maybe, you know, you bring the kid in and say, look, before we do any talking about the program or whatever, let me just give you a demonstration. And, and then you, you, you basically shock them by showing them how amazing something is, right? How fast a car is, how quick a machine is, you know, how beautiful some art is or how great your, your, you know, your instructors can, can perform, right? And then the perfect pitch, you know, is I always talk about the power of three, you know, and uh, that's in the book, the Goldilocks principle, you know, not too hot, not too cold, just right. That kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Mild, medium, hot, you know, good, better, best. But you you pre you present your your uh, program to them. And then the mom would say, how do I get how do I, you know, how much is it? Then, you know, you've done the right job. You don't have to ask them. Do you want to go ahead with it? Do you want to get your kid involved when you've done the perfect pitch? The customer closes themselves right and it's all about how you demonstrate attractive qualities and i mean a bragger that that you know like you think the difference between a really pretty woman and who doesn't do anything but stand there and a man who's standing there bragging with his pumping his chest out or whatever right you want to you want to actually find the balance between that and just be naturally attractive in in the environment where your product is operating and um and let the customer experience it right i i think yes right i think that's a completely uh valid on on what you're talking about it's 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 so in line you know this that's why i i thought that this is why i kind of reached out to you because i was like man he's got some really good points because i looked through your 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 um your stuff and your websites yeah. and and everything that you have and of course we have, you know, we have experience also. Now, right. you, so you've built son, you've sold stuff, you've you, you built a company, you sold a company, you built and sold, and you've done what what you've done. And I can tell you that the last property I just bought, I'll tell you how I got it because there were so many people that that jumped on it. I bought a little piece of property out in Georgia. You know, I have a couple of properties out there. This one came across on Facebook Marketplace, believe it or not. And I'm like, wow, this little Airbnb, I want to get this. I want to get some five five acres of land. You can't buy stuff like this in California. You know right. what I mean? No, Without spending a million and a half dollars. Yeah. And and it was my rapport that I got yeah. with the uh, buyers that got me that house. Yeah. Because they had a lot of cash offers. They had a lot of other stuff. But my rapport with them is what sold it. Yeah. And it's just one of those things that I just had. We just had a lot of stuff in common. I've asked the right questions. I wasn't too pushy. I wasn't, I said, I really want to do this, you know, hang in there with me. Let me get, let me get my finances. And they did, 
And yeah. I ended up getting that that piece of property. And we're still friends today, believe it or not. I bought the yeah. piece of property from them and I, I'll call them up and say, hey, you know, give me some some feedback when you guys had the home. Did you was did you guys be able to use uh, executives from these places? And and we just become friends after that. Yeah. And I think that's where it is, is relationships. Correct. Yeah. And rapport. I mean, that's the, it's probably one of my most favorite words, right? Is you want to get at and maintain rapport with the client. And um, and I mean, it's difficult to do because people are nervous and they want to, um, you know, they want to do their presentation that they've been practicing or whatever, when really the customer prefers the sound of their own voice. Right. And you need to be getting them, you know, like, you know, uh, what, what problem are you trying to solve today? Right. And not all oh, that, you know, let me show you my PowerPoint slides of my of my company and how great we are. Right. And, um, you know, and so it's all about the rapport. Right. And uh, that's why I go on about in the book about uh, for quite a bit on on active listening and also on the power of empathy, sympathy and compassion. Right. And learning and knowing what the difference is and when to apply them. Right. And, you know, for the audience, they're like, oh, well, what does that mean? Because a lot of times people say, oh, I'm so empathetic. And, uh, and I'm like, well, the way you're saying it is doesn't sound like you're empathetic to me because, <laughs> you know, you might be sympathetic, but you're definitely not empathetic because the, the you know, empathy is, is that you're actually feeling what someone's feeling, right? It's got nothing to do with sympathy or compassion, right? It means you're literally stopping what you're doing, taking your shoes off, going a couple steps over and putting their shoes on, right? Oh, I just lost my job. You know, I got three kids at home. My wife doesn't work, you know, like how, how does that feel? And you literally internalize those feelings and get inside that person's feelings before you take the next step. That's what empathy is, right? Literally feeling what they feel, right? You know, and sympathy just means you can understand how it feels like, oh yeah, I got a fender bender. Da, da, da. It's going to be like three grand to fix my car and I don't want to put it through insurance. Oh yeah, I can imagine that's a real pain in the ass. Like that sucks. Like that sympathy, understanding how they feel, right? And compassion would be, you know, and the guy's like, oh, and I don't have a car to drive or whatever. Maybe you got three cars at home. The compassion would be wanting to relieve their suffering. Like, well, you know, if it's only a week, you know what? I've got my Toyota. You can, you know, it's 10 years old. It's not the best, but I'll, I can loan it to you for a week. No problem. That's compassion, right? And, and I'm not saying loan your car to your customer. I'm just saying know the difference between those, when to apply them. Because that's how you build the rapport. Because most people are trying to jump from, oh, rapport to give me an order, like make, you know, make me rich, right? Like buy my product. Like that's not rapport, that's greed, right? And, you know, and, and you're not being genuine and, or you're genuinely being, showing a lack of rapport and not trying to build it, right? And, um, and so a lot of it boils down to listening more than you talk, right? God gave you two ears and one mouth you know, you do the math, right? Right. And that, that's true. That's true. How do you go about telling when, if you're, if you're going to be teaching somebody sales and stuff like that, how do you portray to them, uh, how to be genuine, but you're not genuinely concerned because you want to sell that you are genuinely. Cause I feel that I, I feel like I, 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 I really do enjoy listening to other people's lives. Hey, what have you done in here? This is a man. I've experienced the same thing. This is man. I know the heartache that is because I've experienced that, you know, like in my world, right. If somebody, if especially a single dad, right. If I got yeah. a single dad, 
I got a lot of sympathy from him because I, that's what I was. And I raised my children. I didn't, I wasn't a weekend dad. I was a single dad. I was a single yeah. dad, raised my kids, took care of them, went, took them to school, raised them to be young adults. And so I have a sympathy for that. And I have a genuine concern. And then, so the, the other, <laughs> this is, <laughs> tell me about this, right? Yeah. Trying to see how I think about this. Cause I do this all the time. Matter of fact, I get so sympathetic. I feel so bad for him that boom, I give him a deal that I wouldn't give anybody else in this on the sales on that's the sales. That's compassion, floor. actually. That's right. compassion. That's... You're trying to you're trying to relieve their suffering, right? Right. So I'm like, uh, so I suffer more to relieve other people's suffering because you know, you know, once you do that, you know, there's yeah. the dollars have to go from somewhere to somewhere. Yes. And then sometimes when you relieve people's pain. They're not as thankful as you thought they were going to be right? right down the road. Relationships change. And I see this throughout. Now, I see it in martial arts worlds all the time because we put so, we put so much time into people that we become family. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, so it's a weird business, right? We become family. So like when you duck out. It's a real personal hit. Yeah. And that, and that might not even be a personal hit on their side, but I just tell everybody. It's funny because in my world, you become a client, right? Before you become a student, right? You're a client for a long time, for maybe a, a good eight months, you're this client. Then all of a sudden, you've made some real decisions. Hey, I'm sticking this out to black belt. Yeah. Then they become a real student yeah. of the art because right. they're here for the long haul. Yeah. They're they're going the bumps and bruises along the way. And, and I'm very upfront. Hey, there's going to be times you want to quit. And when you want to quit is the times you're going to want to win. Yeah. And you can't be like that. You, they're coming. It's yeah. not when it's, it's not if they come, it's when they come and they yeah. will come. Do yeah. you have the fortitude to, to drive through your, your, your weakness in your mind at that point? And because this is what self-control is all about. And this yeah. is what we talk about martial arts. It's not about the punching and kicking. I could teach you to kick the shit out of somebody pretty easily. You know, you can give me a few months and I can teach you how to be just an animal like that. But what I can't, what you need to work on is the self-control not to do it when you want yeah. to do it. See, that's the beauty of, of, of conquering your mind. That's yeah. my world. But yeah. I believe that that's a lot in a lot of worlds. It, I think the, the sales of, of what it is. So when you're, when you're talking to uh, people that you're teaching about this kind of stuff, what do I talk do? to me, talk yeah. to the, talk to the well, audience I'm, about what it's like to well, get you, too involved. You said, you said a bunch. So I'm going to unpack a little bit of what you said. You know, you said, you, you know, you're a single dad. And so you know what it's like. You can easily feel empathy for it because you've been in their shoes. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. So that's easy. And you're, and you're sympathetic. You know, you can understand what they're going through and you're compassionate, meaning you want to relieve them. And so two things I want to address one, and you're saying later, maybe they don't, they don't for some reason or another, what I was taking away was that they may not be worthy of your empathy, sympathy, and compassion, right? Because just by the way they respond to your general generosity. So, Two things. One, um, I, I, there's another chapter in my book called Freedom Begins With No, right? So I'm not a pushover where, oh, look at this. This guy's all mamby-pamby, you know, like uh, soft sell, blah, blah, blah. That's not true at all. That's actually couldn't be farther from the truth. So I train, train my people all the time that freedom begins with no, right? Like I'm not paying you to go out there and actually when we crafted a deal after weeks and weeks and then you get there and you're delivering the final paperwork to the guy 
and then they send you to the closer dude or whatever, like the buyer who says, oh, I need another three points. And you say, oh, well, let me go back to my boss and check with him. And then all of a sudden your life goes upside down because now you got to drive all the way back knowing you're going to get shit from me for it or whatever. You just say, no, we've crafted this deal in tandem with you over the last several weeks. We need to get this order on the books in order to get you scheduled in for, to meet your delivery. And we've come at you with the best price that we can. We just don't have any more room to move. I'm sorry, but the answer is no. And at that point, you're free because you don't have to do anything else after that. Everything goes back to the customer and it's up to them to to so there becomes a time where where you need to say no to people. And I, I always love telling the story about, you know, like when you're a kid and you're going to go to the movies and it's like, hey, do you want to go to the movies? They're like, no, I can't afford it. You're like, what about you? You want to go to the movies? Okay, I'll go. What about you? No, I can't afford it. What about you? I can't afford it. And so you, I'll go and I'll go, right? So you don't go back to the other people and go, what do you mean you can't afford it? And like, da, 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 whatever, right? Like at least in Canada, when we say I can't afford it, it means don't ask me again. I'm not going, <laughs> I don't have any money, right? And so freedom, that's like a freedom begins with no. And you need to approach everything like that. The other thing was you said you want to give them a deal or whatever, right? Be compassionate. I do that too. But I've tried to put, I try to put built in, um, uh, you know, sort of uh, walls around it so that I'm protecting myself. So what I say is like, I know how much it could struggle to be single dad or whatever, you know, normally our program is a thousand bucks a quarter or whatever the cost, right? But, you know, for single dads, just to see if the kid's interested or whatever, we like to get you in for the first 90 days with an X percent discount or whatever. But, but you, cause then you're not, you're not handicapping your business later by giving them a deal that you have to take out of the hide of the instructors later right and then you're being compassionate you're offering them some relief but you're trying to say look if you want to be in the program four days a week or whatever it's a thousand bucks a a quarter or 250 a month or whatever whatever the price is and but you give them an opportunity to get in on maybe something that the normal person wouldn't get right but that doesn't need to be forever and you know and that's the kind of way I approach pretty much everything and uh, whatever, because every deal is different, every customer, every product and whatever, and the, the rules don't apply, you know, like cookie cutter, but the philosophies behind the rules apply and they're universal. Interesting. That's a great take on that, Glenn. I, I you know, I learned, uh, I took a little bit of notes on that on my, on my pad about what that is, giving them a minimal relief for a few months. Yeah. And, and I guess that that yeah. that does relieve that does relieve resentment down the road. Where hey, listen, I took care of you for this long. Yeah. Now we're here. Yeah. If you're going to run a revisit, we can revisit at that time, and then we can make some decisions. And I guess that's where the power of no. I said, yeah. Unfortunately, this is the best that I can do. Yeah. Um, on an ongoing basis. You know. Yeah. On an ongoing basis. Yeah. Excellent. It just that was just an excellent. Uh, just an excellent. D- deal right there that I, I just uh i'm gonna write one more note on that here <laughs> you know this is what i love about these podcasts it's the kind of stuff that just kind of comes up that um just works universally because i see this quite often i've got a lot of students that own schools underneath me right i've got eight schools oh, wow. that are kind of under my toolage and that they've you know they're their own bosses and stuff like that but we have an organization that they all are underneath me you know, and I try to help them with this. This is like these kind of podcasts is why I come on here so they can, I can come in. Hey, listen, I just had this Glenn Poulos on here. This right. his sales tactics are awesome. And I think some of the stuff that we talk about, and it all kind of relates back to me because this is what I do for a living. 
but I get everybody's expertise because I think business is business, regardless of what the business is. Do you agree yeah, with that? It doesn't I really do. matter. There's exactly. principles across the board. Yeah. It is what it is. The principles are universal, right? They can be applied, you know, and the rules, you know, and it's just the, the way you fashion them and put them together is, you know, what, what makes it, what makes it work for, for other businesses or what have you. Right. And um, yeah. So do the, 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 when you're going through your, your stuff, Glenn, if you have an organization or even your own organizations, so you got the sales part of it. How about managing your, your, your employees? How much of the tactics in your books go to the managerial side of things? So is, is there, is there a way to use what you have on the manager side as well as the sales side? There's lots of tips in there that are related to interpersonal dynamics at work and building your career in selling. Right. And, um, you know, the, you know, and I mean, the dynamic, the di dynamics of interpersonal dynamics are universal, right? So the, you know, it depends, you know, if you're, you're either, you could be selling a guy on making more calls or you could be selling, uh, teaching the guy who's making more calls to do more selling, you know what I mean? And a lot of right. them are mm -hmm. universal. And, um, but you know, the, um, I do talk a lot in the book about, you know, navigating your career, trading up in, and uh, this isn't really managing people per se, but I mean, like one of the things I love sharing with people is look, if you, if you join a company and you're new in sales and you're cutting your teeth, right. And you find out that, Hey, I'm, I'm working for the number four company in the market. doesn't matter what it is. I said, look, quit <laughs> like that the next day, like you need to go work for the number one, two or the number number one or two brand in your business because you can't re reproduce tomorrow. Like or yesterday today, like, the, you only get one chance at today. And so why would you want to waste your skills, you know, your excellent selling efforts, selling the number four brand? Because 98% of the time, they're going to buy brands one, two, or three. 80% of the time, they're going to buy brand one. 80% of the rest of the time, they're going to buy brand two. And you're working for like three or 4% of the market, right? So don't, don't cut yourself short when you're when you're selling yourself and what the products that you sell. Who wants to sell brand number four? Quit, get a better job. The second thing is I'd always I'd rather be last than second. And people are like, what does that mean? Right? <laughs> so the guy who's last, he's the one that goes in and he realizes, hey, you know, my instructors, they're black belts, da 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 da. They need X dollars per hour. Like, this is my minimum available viable product that I can offer. And the guy wants sort of like, let's say kindergarten you know, stuff where you, you could have junior kids do it, but you don't have any of those to offer. Right. So you don't want to stay through the whole sales process and you go, you know what? I understand you're looking for like kindy, kindy sport, you know, stuff. We don't offer that at this dojo. Uh, you know, I'm going to recuse myself from the situation and I'm going to let someone else compete for the business. Right. You might say, Hey, I've got a, I've got kindy classes at my other dojo down the street or whatever, maybe, but you go, you, you, you immediately, Get out of the situation and stop selling because every, you know you're not getting the business. So why are you wasting your time? And I mean, when you're selling products, people often like go to these. Oh, let me let, leave it with you for a week and let me try a free trial and da da da. Let me fly guys in from the factory to show you why they're better. And you know, let's do this and let's do that. But really, in your heart of hearts, you know you're not getting the order. You should quit early because then you can. While the other guys there selling, you can go to a new customer where you have a better fit. And you can go get that order while his back is turned.
And so that's my whole be last than I'd rather be last than second. Because the guy who comes in second, he puts in almost as much effort as the guy who comes in first and he loses. Right? Right. Yeah, right. Second place, the first loser. Exactly. Right. Exactly sure you know all about that. Oh, I know about that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I've had I've I've <laughs> I, the I've been the first loser the many, first many, loser. many times, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Being the first loser does suck. There's does. nothing good about it. No. For sure. It just lets you know that you there's a lot of work for you to yeah. to do to to become the champ that you need to yeah. become. And I, I just think that the analogy of martial arts on in the mat world is a lot like business, to be honest with you. You know, we, we've always tried to navigate a way out. We're trying to find a way out or we tap out. You know, one of the two is right. So sometimes tap out doesn't mean you lose. It just means... Hey, thanks for uh, showing me my weakness. Yeah. I'm going to go work on it. And uh, next time I'm tapping you out. Right. So, you know, so that's, tap that's out just. Is, um, tap out is another way of saying I'd rather be last than second. Right. right. And yes, correct. I mean, why continue to get beat up when you know you don't have the right strength or the right skill or whatever? You're better to tap out and go work on your skill. That's perfect. That's, I mean, I got to write that one down because. I mean, that's, you know, that's, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, it, there's so much correlation between. Yeah. All of that. It's just it's it's just powerful. Kind of the 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 principles that you have are so good for everybody. Because I look yeah. back at my weaknesses on some of the stuff I do, and I I think the next thing is trying to project yourself on helping others be a better salesperson. There's things that I do naturally, and I am a softie in the sales office, especially when you know somebody gives me a good sob story. I get emotionally connected because I'm a little bit older being, being where I was. And I tell my salespeople, I said, if I get too emotional, I'm dropping out and I'm bringing somebody else in. I'm, 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 I'm yeah. passing the torch and I'm going to get, you know, whether it's Ashley or my son, Michael. And I said, Hey, you're going to, I listen, Hey, I've got an appointment. I'm going to have my son take this over. Cause I know that they're not going to have the same emotional connection. They're going to yeah. get the money that needs to be getting for, yeah. for the business. Yeah. Uh, if it's me, but, I'm going to be a softy and everybody and their mother is going to, you know, cause I did this so early on when I was doing everything I did the, you know, when, you know how it is when you first start a business, yeah. you're everybody, you're the janitor to the CEO It's yeah. just what you are. Yeah. And so I did all that from the sales and all that. And I know, I know what I can do. I know the, and I'm as hardcore as I am, I'm, you know, this alpha male, I got a soft side to me, unfortunately, that yeah. uh, is a detriment to myself, uh, and others. So I got to delegate properly to make sure things are done uh, without, without that emotional connection. Yeah. Anyway, in my world, that's what it is. So I think, uh, you know, you know, I knew this hour would start going by really quick, but I want to talk about your follow-up on customers. Let's talk about that. Yeah. In so your book, do you talk about once you have a sale, you so know, how, how is the best way to, to keep coming? Well, I'll, get, I'll talk about one repeat. of the chapters, which will show you that I definitely speak to it. So one of the chapters is called, Thank God It's Broken. And so uh, the whole <laughs> story behind the Thank God It's Broken is that, you know, a lot of times, you know, you'll buy a product and, you know, and the sales guy's all over you, drooling all over you to get the business or whatever. And, you know, then the product breaks down and you're calling the guy and all you're doing is getting his voicemail, right? And he, you know, the guy's, oh, you know, this thing's broken, da da da, da da right? You know, I mean, maybe he passes it off internally, but he's kind of like hiding from you, right? And doesn't want to deal with the problems, doesn't let customer service, you know. My attitude is completely different, right? Is that when you sell the product, that's when you want to amp up, 
your availability to the guy because the that's when the that's when the forever customer is formed in the in the after sale right everyone knows you're going to be the nice guy and all friendly and you know uh you know uh, shaking their hand and happy to see them when you're going to buy something the question is how do you treat them after they've bought the product right so if something is broken you know with your customer that's a great opportunity for you to over service them even if it's not your job like you take the call and the guy says hey it's broken and you say okay and maybe it completely is someone else's job you've got to get them involved you say oh my god that no problem hang on let me three way in with my service gut manager right you say hey bob you know it's jack over you know in sales da, 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 da. i've got this guy on the line you know he's having a problem with his widget you know can we get him hooked up with some service and then you know and then they two start talking you say you know well, let me drop off i'll leave you two to it and i'll follow up with you and then a couple of days later you phone the guy did service take care of everything you need is it da, 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 da. you know what they said it's going to be fixed tomorrow let me drop it off i'm going to be there anyways i'm going to be in the lobby tomorrow at 10 you know and then you know you go there and you say look why don't you give me a mini tour we'll set it up you know <laughs> and those kind of things right and then and then the guy knows hey when i when this thing's broken this guy's all over me like and and I mean, I'm just making up sort of a scenario for you to, but that's where the guy knows later when you quote him something and you're 3% too high, higher than the other guy. And he's like, yeah, but I know Glenn's always there when it's broken and I'd rather pay 3% for that service. Excellent. Yeah, that's, that's really good, good advice. I know that this is a, I have a shortcoming and I talk to my students about this quite often. Sometimes when I come in, you know, in in the in the in the studio world, right? When I come in, you know, uh, you know, the the highest rank is here, or whatever, you know, whatever that that cliche is. Yeah. In the in the martial arts world, you you know, I I, I hate all the, the the titles of grandmaster, all that kind of this this stuff. Because when somebody introduces themselves, I'm grandmaster so and so. I just roll my eyes in the back of my head and go, "You are a douchebag." Uh, just shut your mouth. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I, I try not to do that so much. And then I find myself not appreciating everybody like I should. Like when I come in, I should be shaking hands with everybody. Hey, how's your day? How's your kids? How's everything going? And I just don't do that every day. I, right. And this is something I've done for many years, and I, and I know my weaknesses in myself. Yeah. So I don't know if you uh, apply that to your books on – Trying to know your you because people have to know themselves. They know where their weaknesses are, and they know where their strengths are, and they know where they're where they lack. And do you? And I and I personally try uh, to be better at that. To make sure that hey, good morning, how you doing? Because there's you know now I'm in a position that new brand new students, especially little three year olds, I may not even know all their names just yet because they haven't got to my yeah. world. Right? I'm yeah. kind of the higher ranking guy. That when the kids get to a certain level, they get to me. Yeah. Right. And so there's already that persona. Oh, man, you're getting ready to go to Mr. Cox. The way, class. I, the way I handle that is like I have this like um, it's not a character defect because I could, you know, uh, but but I mean, I have this issue where like when I first get to work in the morning, I'm always grouchy. You know what I mean? And but I, I kind of like don't want anyone to talk to me. Right. Like. <laughs> Like people are like, how was your weekend? I'm like, what weekend? It's already Monday. Like, shut up. You know what I mean? Like, but it, but it's only at like 8 a.m. that I that I. It's only for. It's kind of like when you get home from work, you know, and the wife's smart enough to give you those 15 minutes to get changed and relax and just chill out, and then you come downstairs and then you can tell them how your day was, right? 
And so right. what I would do and what I do here, right, is I have program times where I do a walk around. So I don't, so I isolate myself from having to be nice when I'm grouchy and I program in times where I'm doing my walk around. They know at 10 a.m. the boss is coming around to say hi and hopefully your students and your, and your instructors are, are all, um, you know, falling into line and being attentive to your presence as well, right? And so you, they know when to expect you, when not to expect you. And you sort of build in these little routines that protect you from your own character defects and and but also turn it into a strength at the same time right like do do walk arounds at 9 a.m 11 a.m 1 and 3 just checking the mats just checking the floors kick a couple things make sure the water cooler's working whatever it is you got to do in your thing i go through the warehouse twice a day like clockwork right and it's not always at the exact same instant but it's around the same time every day and i say hello to everyone and some days I stop and talk a bit more and some days I just walk in with a with a gate knowing they just need to say hello to me. And um, and there are other times when they know I'm going to stop and then, you know, we have more of a, ch a chat. Right. And so I just build in all these little routines to help guide my day and, and protect myself. And in the morning, I don't I try to make myself scarce until I've acclimatized to being at the office and I'm willing to say hi to everybody. Right. And um, that's that's good. It's good. So it's pretty universal uh, across because oh, yeah. I know I know myself. Right. I know I know there's certain people that, you know, you can't wait to be around. And there's other people yeah. that you have no that you have no. You're like, Ugh, they're here. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And at the same time that you say that you're like they're here, but they've also chose me. To be the one to teach. Right. Right. Well, and so the, it's, a, it's yeah. such a give and take. Uh, yeah. Part of the problem is, though, is that you're losing your it's your lack of feeling like you're losing control. Like when they they're foist upon you, you don't have the ability to say yes or no to the situation. Whereas I would go in the back door. And when you look out <laughs> and you see that, you know, old Granny Grouchy is out there on the floor again with her with her seven kids and ready to bitch out or whatever. You go out on your terms. Right. You go when you're ready to be you're ready to have a brave face on, right? You don't walk right past her at eight o'clock in the morning right. when you're in a bad mood. Right. And so that's, how, you know, that, uh, that's basically how I, <laughs> that's of course, that's, that's a hundred percent true too. Cause I've done exactly that. Cause I've got cameras on the mat and I'm exactly. like, Oh yeah. man, I'm not going out there just yet. You know yeah, what? Exactly, and I put my right. armor on when I'm ready. I'm like, all right, I've had a cup of coffee. I'm ready yeah. not to take somebody's yeah. head off and uh, yeah. out I head and in a way I go. That's such a good, yeah. that's such good advice. That's why I said it. All that stuff is so universal. It's just kind of funny. It for sure. Yeah. It's just kind of funny. Yeah. So, well, that, well, you know what, Glenn, this hour's already going. I'm going to let you have the last couple minutes here to, to go ahead and give your, okay. where, where people can kind of find your stuff, where they can follow you. Sure. And I'll have all your stuff on my on for your book. You can just name your book one more time and yeah. people can probably buy it on Amazon because I can tell yeah. you this. I wrote a book and when I had to sign personal copies and send them to, to Canada, the postage was more oh, than yeah. the book. It was yeah. like a freaking nightmare. Yeah, I said it's, available it's just easier. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it's just easier yeah, to get it on Amazon yeah. and get it get, get it yeah. where it's at for sure. Exactly. I'm sure it's the yeah. same way coming back this way. So take your two. Take a couple minutes there. Yeah. Uh, Talk to the audience and about what you have, and and let me hear some words of wisdoms before no the, before we end so, today. So the um, just you can go to my website glenpoulos.com, and you can link to any one of my social medias. But it's also easier just go to LinkedIn, t 
type in Glenn Poulos there. You'll find me there. I have tons of followers there. I interact with them all day. You know, I'm all, all very active on LinkedIn, but you can find me elsewhere as well. And or on my website, the book's available at all the places, Barnes and Noble, um, Amazon. Uh, in Canada, we have a, a company called Chapters. It's available there. It's, and, um, you know, and uh, happy to talk to anyone that has any questions, comments, you know, would like to banter about something. Just send me a note on my website or on LinkedIn. Happy to talk. And I guess the final nugget that I want to leave you with is uh, one of my chapters, which I call you only get forever to make another impression. And so, you know, people are like, well, wait a minute. That's not what my mom told me. My mom said I need to make a good first impression. I'm like, yep, your mom was right. And now I'm telling you that you need to make a good first impression, every impression, because every time you make an impression, you're making an impression. So when they're shitty, they're bad. And so, you know, so the way I explain it is that when, you know, when you know that you're going to be in a situation where people are examining your behavior or whatever, always excel, excel at what you're doing. Like, and I give the examples of being in a trade show. When you're at a trade show with your coworkers are sitting down and their feet are sore and they're whining about the long day or whatever, you want to be out in the, out in the, out in the aisle way, pulling customers into your booth to tell them about your latest product. When the boss is walking by your desk, always be working always be like on point say hey boss i got a question for you da, da, da. when's that new thing coming out i've got this deal cooking i think it'd be perfect you know always be engaging always be making a good impression because if you're making a, an impression that's not good it's bad and so you know uh you think these little things don't matter but they add up imagine if the boss walks by your desk every day for you know a few weeks and every time he walks by he sees you on facebook or instagram and then when you see him you all tab over the the crm or something right by the second time you're a bum and you got a long way to go to get back out of that status right so you only get forever to make another impression make it count such a good such a good way to end that really really good now do you also have a podcast line at all i do yeah it's called the profit powerhouse podcast and it's available where all podcasts are downloaded from. Apple all downloaded. Yeah. Yeah. So good, man. I really, uh, really, really enjoyed uh, my hour with you. I'll have this on on audio. We'll get it out to the audience. As soon as I have it downloaded, I'll send it off to you so you have it awesome. for your yourself Thanks, that you can share it. Sound That's good? Amazing. Yeah, thank you. I'm looking right. forward to that. Thanks, sir, man. Thanks, awesome hour. Good to meet you. Same have man. a good day, sir. You've been listening to Real Talk with Mark Cox. Real life, real topics, real conversation. We're passionate about motivation, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, and coming at it from a real angle. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook at MarkCox100. Make sure to subscribe and review. And tell a friend or two about the show. For more, hit up the website at MarkCox.com. Till next time, keep it real.